The housing market has been on a tear over the past year. And one of the companies that's benefited from that is the real estate website Zillow. Our colleague Will Parker has been writing about it. Zillow was actually getting a lot of positive attention from people. Um, You know, during the pandemic, people were cooped up at home and they were on Zillow looking for a bigger, better place they could be cooped up at home uh, with maybe a a pool in the backyard and a a screen and porch. And how much time have you spent personally on Zillow in the past year? Almost none. I guess I I, I guess I know I don't have a lot of uh, housing (laughs) options as a journalist in Manhattan, so... (laughs) Zillow is mostly known for being a place to just browse home listings and maybe get connected with a broker. But in the past few years, Zillow has expanded into actually buying and selling homes directly. And the company predicted that it could make a lot of money doing it. But last week, Zillow announced it had a big problem with its new home buying business. Zillow said it lost more than a half billion dollars buying and flipping houses. Said it's closing its home buying business and cutting 25% of its workforce. The stock was hammered down 25% in one day. Zillow had sort of bet its future on being able to do this, that this was the direction the real estate market was moving in, and Zillow had to be a major player in it. And to be a major player in it, it had to grow really fast. It had to buy more and more homes really quickly, and it had to do that all over the country. They said this would be a $20 billion business within just a few years, and now it's going to be a $0 business. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, November 9th. Coming up on the show, how Zillow failed at flipping houses. It can be hard to see the challenges the people we work with are facing. Addressing these invisible struggles can make us and our companies healthier. Join Holly Robinson-Pete on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Zillow has a ton of information about the housing market. It's a place you can go look at homes that are for sale. You can look at homes that aren't for sale. You can see information and photos about pretty much any home that exists in America. Um, But what Zillow is more broadly, it's a platform for real estate agents to find people who are looking for homes and want to buy them. Mm -hmm. And is that the primary way that Zillow makes its money is from real estate agents that pay it to get access to potential customers? Yes, that's the primary way that Zillow makes money. And it's a good business. It's it's very high margin. So it's not a very capital or asset intensive business. In 2018, Zillow started trying to make money in a different way. Instead of being a company that just charges fees to real estate agents, Zillow wanted to become a sort of digital real estate agent itself, where it would buy and sell homes directly. It's a technique known as instant buying or iBuying. In the past few years, iBuying has been a big trend among large real estate companies. The goal is to transform how homes are bought and sold. A lot of real estate is just people with documents, uh, doing deals, shaking hands, writing things down. And there's always just been a sense that we could take so many more parts of that process online and automate them and take them out of the hands of individuals and streamline them and cut out some of these middlemen And that that's the real opportunity is to take the whole transaction and and put it online and digitalize it. 
With iBuying, consumers could skip the long hassle of listing a home, showing it, waiting for offers, negotiating, and so on, and instead sell their home almost instantly to a company like Zillow. Zillow thought this model would be more attractive to buyers and sellers. Zillow would offer you a price, maybe it was under what you could get on the market, but just the convenience and the assurance that the deal would go through quickly and you'd you'd be done uh, was attractive enough that a lot of people were willing to, to take them up on it. For a company like Zillow, there are two main ways to make money from iBuying. One is the way that, you know, any home flipper makes money, which is you buy a house at one price and you sell it for a higher price. And the other way that iBuyers can make money is through transaction fees. And it's really the latter, that collecting fees on every single sale and then maybe providing other services along the process of the sale that you can collect fees on, that iBuyers really see the business working. Zillow had high hopes for its iBuying program, which it named Zillow Offers. It predicted it could make $20 billion a year in revenue from iBuying, which would be at least 15 times more than the revenue it makes from its core business. The only way the business made sense, the only way it could actually be profitable, was you had to do it at a really, really large scale because it's really low margin. The amount of money you make on on each flip is, is not a very high percentage. Uh, so to really make it work, it had to be huge. So Zillow went huge and bought thousands of homes all over the country. The company would often do some light renovations and turn around and sell them quickly. They would have to figure out what the right balance was between how much you paid for houses versus how much you charge people for the transaction fees, and that it would be a process. And it seems like Zillow would have been in in a good position to make it huge, given that they have so much data on not only every home in America and and every home that's for sale, but also what people are searching for and where they're searching and and where transactions are happening and where they're not happening. Yeah, that's right. I mean, millions of people visit Zillow every year, and it's a place that real estate agents have to be and people who are looking for homes go to at the very beginning of the process to kind of see what's available. So they definitely thought that they had all of the connections, that they had the audience uh, and the customers sitting right in front of them. It was just building a business for them to come to. Did Zillow think that because of all the data that it had, that it would have a competitive advantage in this new iBuying marketplace? Zillow definitely thought it would have a a competitive advantage because of all the data and tools at its disposal and the brand name recognition and all of the traffic that comes to their website. While the main way Zillow hoped to make money was through transaction fees, the company would still need to sell the homes it was buying for at least the same amount it originally paid for them. The risk for Zillow or another iBuyer is that they then need to be able to sell that home and they need to not lose money on it. Oh, and they need to do this thousands and thousands of times and continue to grow more and more in order to really make any money off of it. And that's the risk with uh, real estate flipping in, in general. And Zillow wouldn't be immune from that risk, even if it was powered by you know high-tech algorithms. As Zillow kept buying more and more homes, some in the industry were puzzled by some of its purchases. Some of their competitors would see what what Zillow was paying for houses and were kind of taken aback and, and, and really uh, surprised. Um, it was also frustrating because it meant that you know Zillow would, would go further than they would and be able to buy homes that, that they also wanted to buy. The question 
that was raised is, well, what does Zillow know that we don't? Because we're not paying this much money for, for these houses. Why does Zillow think it can do that? What magic do they have that's going to make this work? Coming up, one woman tells us about the magic of selling to Zillow. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines, but are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work. Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier, too. Join Holly Robinson-Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. In August, Karen and George Dorsett decided to sell their house in Winter Springs, Florida. We bought it in 1985 for um, $132,000. So Karen did what a lot of people do. She looked up her own property on Zillow. And when she did, she noticed a button called Zillow Offers and decided to click on it. And they said, can we contact you? Which surprised me. And I was just absolutely not taking any of this seriously at all. Okay? (laughs) To me, this was just like, oh, well, what the hell? You know? See what they say, what the house is worth. What the hell? You know? Not taking it seriously at all. So I think what happened was a woman called me, very nice woman, and she asked me a few questions about the house. And then she said, we're going to make you an offer. To Karen's surprise, the offer was good. So she agreed to let Zillow send an inspector. So they sent somebody out to look at the house. They sent this young man, I think he was no more than about 30. Nice guy. He was just poking around the house for like two hours. Karen says the inspector left without asking any questions. Afterward, Zillow said it wanted to move forward with the purchase. But before Karen committed, she decided to do some research. She called three people in her area who'd recently sold their homes to Zillow and asked them how it went. Within the next two hours, all three people called me back. They couldn't have been happier with Zillow. I mean, you don't usually hear love and a realty agency or a realtor in the same sentence. But they were saying, we love Zillow. We love Zillow. We're like, okay, this is too good to be true. What is the cash? For Karen, there was no catch. She sold her house to Zillow within just a few days for $450,000, about $10,000 more than local realtors told her they thought it was worth. She feels like she got away with something. Let me tell you something. My husband said this this morning. My husband said, we are so glad that we sold to Zillow. We are so glad. Zillow's iBuying program worked for the Dorsets. But last month, it became apparent that it wasn't working for Zillow. 
Zillow announced that it wasn't going to be buying any more homes this year. The company said there was a labor and supply shortage that made it impossible to handle all the homes it had purchased. But the timing of the announcement, when housing prices were still going up, raised a lot of eyebrows. Obviously, when the pandemic first started, people didn't really know what was going to happen, and the iBuyers paused then. But that sort of made sense to people, that they would do it at this moment, at this time, when the housing market was still raging didn't make sense to just about anybody. And there were some doubts that the supply chain or or labor shortage problems could really be the whole story. It wasn't the whole story. Last week, Zillow CEO Richard Barton explained what happened on an earnings call. Good afternoon, everyone. We appreciate you joining us today. Barton said the Zillow offers program was being shut down, that the company was laying off more than 2,000 employees. Our decision to wind down our Zillow offers operations will unfortunately involve a reduction in our workforce of approximately 25% over the next few quarters. He said that in addition to the labor and supply shortage, there was another problem with Zillow offers. It wasn't doing a good job predicting the price of homes. In our short 10-year operating Zillow offers, we've experienced a series of extraordinary events. A global pandemic, a temporary freezing of the housing market, and then a supply-demand imbalance that led to a rise in home prices at a rate that was without precedent. We have been unable to accurately forecast future home prices at different times in both directions by much more than we modeled as possible. In other words, Zillow Zillow realized it was making a lot of mistakes. Put simply, Our observed error rate has been far more volatile than we ever expected possible. Barton also said that the company's core business, charging fees to real estate agents, was still stable. Zillow is now stuck with more than 10,000 houses, and it'll likely have to take a loss on most of them. It could cost upwards of half a billion dollars. And Zillow's failure at iBuying has raised questions about the entire concept. There's a debate right now about whether... What happened at Zillow is a Zillow problem or an iBuyer problem? And I think what happens with its competitors, these other companies, is really going to tell us a lot about you know, what the answer to that question really is. Their competitors have not shown the exact same you know, sort of weakness that Zillow showed. They didn't close up shop in the fall and stop buying houses because of supply chain problems. But they haven't posted their earnings yet either, and that might give us a better sense of about whether this is Zillow's problem or or something much bigger than Zillow. One of the things that's interesting to me about this story is that it feels like in America in 2021 that big data can be omniscient, you know, that our future is going to be ruled by big data overlords, sort of scary. But this seems like a situation where maybe that's not actually our future. Maybe it's not possible to use big data to dominate all aspects of our lives. Well, as far as housing is concerned, there's always been skeptics when it comes to data and technology because it's an extremely local thing. And it's dependent on a lot of factors sometimes that aren't really capturable by data, especially if that data is old. Things about the particular nature of neighborhoods or how neighborhoods might be different in in the north end than in the south end. And some things that have happened in that area recently that might realistically affect how attractive a home is to to home buyers. There's always been people who've said they're never going to be able to capture that as well as what people on the ground can. And, you know, I think people with that line of thinking feel validated by the failure of Zillow to flip houses.
That's all for today, Tuesday, November 9th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Nicole Friedman. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.